Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. some special guests with us here today and we just want to welcome them we're delighted that they're here Uh, we want to welcome uh, a pastor of the church in in Alice Springs uh, Pastor Nate and Sister Chelsea Gratian they're with us amen we welcome them their little baby and also Sister Chelsea's family Sister Chelsea's mom and sisters we welcome you we're glad that they're here all the way from Oklahoma in the United States Amen. And uh, we're so delighted that they're here. We had a great time together with them in our retreat in Brisbane. A wonderful time of ministry and fellowship. And I'm going to be with them uh, next week in Alice Springs. There's the Red Center. That's going to be tremendous. Also good to have our dear sister Linda Finlay with us all the way from Perth. We're glad that she's here. She was a longtime member of this church before she migrated over to uh, Fortress Western Australia I mean Western Australia amen we're, we're, we're so happy to see her and others that are here today uh, it's good to be in the house of God amen Matthew chapter 5 verse number 27 I'm in a hurry I've got to go quickly let's stand verse 27 to 30 we are continuing our series on the difficult sayings of Jesus Matthew 5 Verse 27 to verse number 30, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. This is Jesus speaking now, referring uh, to the uh, Old Covenant, uh, Old Testament uh, laws, uh, the Ten Commandments. And then he says, I say to you, verse 28, that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. Amen. Some of you men are thinking, oh, this is going to be rough today. (laughs) It's going to get rougher. Watch verse 29. And if your right eye offend you, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. And if your right hand offend you, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. Amen. I want to talk to you on this thought, radical discipleship. Radical discipleship. Let us pray. Let's pray. I want to pray for, for Brother Moe's recovering from surgery. And uh, we want to pray for healing for others that are sick today. Father, we pray right now and we thank you for your mercy and loving kindness. Thank you for healing virtue, Lord God, that you have poured out upon your church. Today, Lord, we're asking you for healing for our brethren. Lord God, for, for Brother Mo, Lord Jesus, we ask you to heal and recover him. For uh, Brother Danny, Lord God, Brother Sam, others that are ill, Lord God, we ask you to go to their sick beds and recover them even in this selfsame hour. We ask you to minister to them, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us once again through the ministry of your word as you anoint your servant. Give me the words to speak. Give us hearts to receive, Lord God, to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We've been looking over the last several weeks about these hard sayings or difficult sayings of Jesus. And they are, just to remind you, they are hard because they are perplexing to understand, but they are also hard to do. And uh, there are many, not only in the New Testament, but certainly even in the Old Testament, that we have a temptation at times to pass over these passages just to uh, go back to them later because they are too difficult to understand or to do. And this is certainly no exception. Jesus said these words, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. And if your right hand causes you to offend, then cut it off. Pretty graphic, uh, harsh, radical kind of approach. And uh, I know most of us here understand that Jesus is not meaning this literally. Most of the hard sayings that we've looked at in the Gospels is... Uh, Jesus speaking in what's called hyperbole or exaggerated ways of exaggerated, exaggerated or dramatic terms, not to be taken literally, but it's exaggerated to emphasize the point of what he's trying to make. So rest assured, we're not going to bring out spoons here today for some of you people to pluck out your right eye. We're not going to pull out a chainsaw to cut off your hand. And I know you understand this. Most of us understand this. But for the sake of maybe somebody that's listening to this message, I just need to reiterate that it is not literal. We are not literally. That's not what Jesus is saying to us to literally pull out our eyes. Now, now I have to say this because... Uh, I read of a report of a young lady by the name of Kaylee Matart uh, in the United States. She horrified the world when she gouged out her own eyes, both eyes, during a meth-induced psychotic episode. Hallucinating wildly during the February 6, circa 2018, 2017, February 6 incident, the 21-year-old from Anderson, South Carolina, ripped out her own eyeballs squishing them in her hands while a shocked onlooker struggled to restrain her. I'm sorry if you've just eaten that uh, this is somewhat disgusting, but, but that's what drugs can do to a person. She was induced, a uh, meth-induced psychosis. This is not what Jesus meant, okay? Let me just reiterate that. Furthermore, God's word declares in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, in your body, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So Paul, through the inspiration of God, is telling us that our body is the temple of God, that we should glorify God in our bodies, then why in the world would God want us to mutilate our body? And so it stands to reason that 
That is not, it is not a literal uh, instruction. Once again, also in the biblical Hebrew, in the language, in the Hebrew language, many physical parts of the body are used to describe certain functions of the, the soul, of the heart, the affections of the mind. Uh, the Bible talks about the bowels of compassion or the heart, this, this thing that beats uh, inside of our bodies. The heart is often used to describe feelings and affections. An evil eye, uh, the scripture uses to describe envy. And the right eye obviously is also figurative because, well, what about the left eye? So if, if you pull out the right eye, you can still lust with the left eye. And so, again, he is not talking about a literal uh, amputation, if you will. So what is Jesus saying to us here? What is he trying to convey? Well, he is talking about something that is of vital importance that when you follow God, when you come to him, you cannot allow anything in this life and in this world to get in the way of following Jesus. What Jesus is talking about is a radical demand to be his disciple. That whatever it is that you do in your life, you have to follow him with everything that you have because there is a destiny, a destination that when our life on earth is through, that we will go to heaven, that we will receive our eternal reward. Amen. That's what he's saying. What he's saying is don't let anything stop you from being a follower of Jesus. Even if you've got to take some radical approaches to God. Even if you have to be hardcore, if you will. Even if you've got to do everything in your power to do what God has called us to do. Amen. We are living in a consumer-driven society. When you can choose whatever you want, everything is dictated to by the consumer. The customer is always right. And if you don't like one restaurant, well, you go to the next and then to the next and you find whichever suits you. If you don't like a particular brand, it doesn't have enough benefits, you keep looking until you find one that suits you. And, and people can take that same attitude when it comes to God, when it comes to church, when it comes to Christianity. And, and they'll keep searching to find one that they feel good about, the one that they like, the one that doesn't demand too much, the one that doesn't require their all and people can take a consumer approach to God but I've come to tell you here today that you cannot take that kind of attitude with Christianity what Jesus is saying is it's either all or nothing that, that I'm either everything in your life or I am nothing at all he Jesus is not to be seen as some kind of accessory that we can put on the side of us that we can fit into our lives no Christianity requires and demands a radical submission and a radical obedience to his word. I'm sorry, brothers and sisters, folks. You don't fit God into your life, but you've got to fit your life to go and obey the word of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
What this text is telling us is what Jesus is saying. If you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to do whatever it takes to get rid of every obstacle, every hindrance, every kind of stumbling block, every kind of issue, idle problem, habits, whatever it takes. You've got to do whatever in order for you to follow God and submit to his will. I'm sorry, there's no Christianity light. There's no Christianity, casual Christianity. No, 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 no. You've got to take Jesus and all that he says and give yourself to a radical discipleship. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm sorry, Christianity, it's not designed to, to put you up to the corporate ladder so you can climb up and become a CEO. It's not designed to make you fulfill all of your dreams and ambitions and, oh, I want Jesus to give me this, that, and the other. I'm sorry, but Christianity was never designed for that, but it is a radical message. Christianity demands your all because it doesn't, otherwise it won't work. Anything less than everything that you got it doesn't work but let me talk to somebody here today if you give your life to him if you repent of your sins if you follow him with all of your heart I promise you you will not regret one day and one moment of walking of living for God hallelujah glory to God it is a radical Religion that demands and requires all. Praise God. We, we so prefer at times just to, 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 I'll just take a little bit here. Just give me a little bit of that. Oh, oh, but I don't like that in scripture. That's a little too much. Amen. And, and oftentimes we, we follow God and we ask him to fulfill our dreams. And I've talked about this over the few weeks. And, and God comes and he heals us and he meets our needs and he does things for us. And when everything is good in life, when he has healed us and he's given us our husband and he's given us our job and everything is right, then somehow God becomes a side thing. Somehow he becomes a once a week affair. Somehow God becomes just this thing that when it's good, I'll follow. But when and when I'm doing something else, I'm sorry, God, you got to take it. I'm sorry. What he's saying is, if there's anything that's going to drift you away from God, if there's anything that's going to drag you away from the presence of the Lord, you got to take that scoop, scoop out your eye. You've got to take that saw, cut off whatever it is that's causing you to walk away from God. Hallelujah. That's pretty harsh, Jesus. I mean, pluck out the eye. And in Mark, it talks about cutting off the right foot as well. Not just the hand. But listen, it's a radical, it's a radical message. The word radical comes from the Greek word, the Latin word radix, which is also interpreted root, like the root of a tree. And when, when John the Baptist began to preach, he said, the axe is laid to the roots. That means when you, you can cut off the tree of its trunk and it could live. It can grow again. But if you cut it off by the roots, it's going to die. And the reason why this is so radical, folks, is because, because there, is, there is no middle ground between heaven and hell. That's radical. 
oh, uh, well, you know, pastor, that's a little too much now. You know, you, you're, 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 I'm, I'm a little sensitive about those things. You know, that's not very politically correct what you're talking about. I, I'm telling you that the Bible is not politically correct. I'm sorry. <laughs> there's a heaven and there's a hell. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend one moment in hell when my life on earth is through. And believe you me, the older I get, the older some of us middle-aged folks, some of us older folks again, we see in heaven getting closer. Amen. It's become more and more of a reality. And no matter what it takes, I've got to get there regardless at the end of the day. Whatever we've got to do to make it there, remove everything that's stopping you. You've got to cut off some things. You've got to pluck out out some things in your life hallelujah psalms 63 and 8 he said my soul follows hard after you your right hand upholds me you've got to follow hard after god you you can't you can't live for god easy as the old saying goes if you live for god easy it, life becomes hard. But if you live for God hard. Come on, I wish I'd get some amens from some, some of you Kiwis. Harden up, boy. That's, that's what I hear when I'm over there. You got to live for God hard. You got, you got to live for him with everything that you got. It's not just some side affair where you just take a little bit of Jesus where he can bless me, but I'm going to live my own life. No, I'm sorry. Your entire life, that's why you've got to be born again. I don't know about you, but somebody that's born, that's pretty radical. That's pretty hardcore, right? When somebody's born, and that's what Jesus is saying. I just don't want you to join a social club. You sign a little form, and you could become part of the social club. I don't want you just to be here and, and, and have some friends and enjoy. He said, no, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. That means some things have got to die. That means, yeah, oh, that's pretty hardcore. That's pretty radical. Yes, it is. There are some things that have got to die. If you want to see the power of God in your life, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. You've got to die to yourself and start all over again. Hallelujah. The Bible is pretty black and white, folks. Now, now, we're not black and white. We're all different shades, okay? So please don't misunderstand. We got to treat each other with kindness. There are some folks that are black and white. And they'll treat people that way. No, that's wrong. Now, we, 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 I'm not talking about the way we treat each other. We, we all have different levels of sensitivity and understanding. When it comes to the word of God, there is no, there, there is no if, ands, or buts. I cannot what's called eisegesis or put my own thoughts in the Bible. Say, well, I, I know God loves us, so he's just going to save everybody. No, that's not what the Bible says. Here's black and white. Except a man is born again of water and of the spirit. He cannot. That's what Jesus said. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So what does it mean to be born again of water and the Spirit? Well, it's very simple. You see what the apostles did, the very first church service. They preached the message of salvation. Peter said on Acts 2, repent, Acts 2.38, repent, which means to die. 
That's what this scripture is about, about plucking out your eyes, cutting off your arm. It, it's not about self-mutilation. It's about mortifying the deeds or the, the, the actions of the flesh. It's about dying to yourself. And I know that's not a very appealing kind of advertising to the world. Oh, dying to myself. I want to do whatever I want. That's what people have gone in a headlong pursuit and life is for pleasure. But, but they don't understand that when you die to yourself and you are obedient to God, and you become born again. It is not misery. It is not depression. It is not bondage. It is liberty and life. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus promises us that when you get baptized in Jesus' name, he'll wash away our sins. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Aren't you glad you can have your sins washed away? never to be remembered again, never to hold us hostage from the past. We are clean. We are pure. It's like we were born all over again. And then the Bible says he fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We are born again of his spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Glory. Amen. And it, let me tell you, I, it's not been easy. I must admit Christianity's been tough. Yes, it's even been tough in the church. But I don't regret for one moment of having truth, of being set free from the bondage of sin by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us 2,000 years ago. And so what God requires is a radical, radical obedience to him. And, and I admit, I, I, I confess, we all come to church for different motivations. We all came because some of us were, we needed healing. Some of us, uh, you know, needed a job. We were empty. We were lonely. And, and those are good. We were, we were driven here by a sense of desire to help ourselves. And, and that's fine. But I submit to you that at some point in your walk with God, you will be required. There will be some things that will get in the way that will stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. And what Jesus is saying, you've got to do everything in your power to get rid of that, whatever radical thing it is. If you're in a toxic relationship that's keeping you from your, from your walk with God, well, then you've got to cut some things off. Amen. If you're in a circumstance or situation that's causing you to, to walk away and drift from God, well, you've got to pluck it out. It's, this is a pretty simple message, folks. The simplicity of it is the fact that if we don't follow his commands of being fully and radically obedient, it won't work. Anything less. There is no Christianity light like, like Diet Coke. There's no Diet Christianity. Although that's what, what's popular in the world today. Yeah. Prosperity. Now, I believe God blesses. Please don't get me wrong. I believe he prospers saints of God, people of God. The problem with prosperity doctrine is, is that it, it becomes the, the benchmark for God's blessing. But what about the disciples who were all martyred at a young age? What about your fellow brothers and sisters who are being martyred all over the world? In Indonesia, in Egypt, all of these different places being killed. And so radical discipleship is about doing everything that we can to 
follow and be obedient to him because anything less will not work. Yes. You, can't, you, can't have, you can't mix oil and water. You, you can't, light and darkness doesn't have any mixture. Jesus was pretty radical, radical about that. It's life or death. You choose. And so I want to ask you today, what is it that will keep you? What is the obstacle, the stumbling block that's keeping you? A stumbling block can also be interpreted as a trap. You know, they would have these traps. They would dig pits in the ground on a, on a game trail, and they would put cover it with grass, and underneath you fall into it, you're trapped, it kills you. I read, read of a story of a, a forester, an axeman, a, a logger, in the deep of the woods, his name was, was Panade Peter. And uh, he, they would fell giant trees on the mountainside. And uh, because it was in the mountains, they created chutes that would cause the, the logs that they've cut down to just slide right down to the water where the water was at. And Peter one day was cutting and, and uh, he decided what the workers, the axemen would do is that they would use that same slide or that chute to get down to the bottom so that they don't have to walk for hours and hours. Well, this Peter, Penate Peter, slid down this chute, but on his way down, his leg got caught in one of the, the knot holes that was in the chute. And as he was struggling to free his leg, he heard the voice, a cry of one of his fellow workers saying, uh, you know, tree coming down coming down that same chute that he was stuck in and couldn't get out. And so within a moment, he didn't know what to do. But, but something got a hold of his mind. He said, I want to live. So he took his axe and he cut off, he chopped off his foot so that he could be free. He lost his foot, but he saved his life. And I think that's what Jesus was talking about here. It is whatever it is that's, that's got you bound, whatever it is that's got a hold of you, you got to do whatever. you got to take some radical approach and say, no, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going back to those habits. I'm not going back to that. But I, I remember coming back when I got saved. From, I, I got the Holy Ghost, but I couldn't live for God for very long. And I went back to the beggarly elements of the world thinking that I could, I could live for God and live for the world at the same time. Went back to the drugs. I was doing drugs every day. And, and uh, you know, after a year, I was so miserable. I had to come back. But I knew, even as a young man, I knew that I had to cut off some things. They would be calling me on the phone. Before we had the mobile phones to go out clubbing, my friend was, was doing his music thing. He was in the boy band. He was wanting me to be a part of their road, road crew. And he said, come. I said, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't do that anymore. That's not my life anymore. I can't. Because if I ended up there, I know where I will end up. And so I had to, it was so hard for me because I loved my friends and I could never say no to them. But I knew if I'm going to know God, if I'm going to get to heaven, if I'm going to live a life free of drugs and alcohol and sin, I knew I needed to have a radical conversion. It had to demand everything in me. And I've come to tell you that if you do the same, God's presence and power will enable you. He'll empower you every step that you take. He said, I'll take another step with you and whatever you got to cut off you got to say goodbye to some folks you got to say goodbye to some some places that you used to hang out you can't hang out there anymore why because i belong to jesus i am not my own i've been bought with a price hallelujah glory to god
Amen. So radical obedience to God requires some, some courage. First, you've got to know what, what's at stake, and that's your life. Like this Penate Peter, he cut off, it would have been a horrible thought to do that, to get an axe and chop off your foot. But he, he knew what was at stake, his life. Your eternity is at stake. The, Jesus cl talks very clearly about it, that when our life on earth is through, there's only two places we're going to go. Hell is a place of torment. We can't even imagine. The Bible only gives us glimpses of the, the, the torment, the horrible, horrible circumstance that would be. And then he promises us there's a heaven for those who would endure to the end. So you got to know what's at stake. you got to keep heaven in view, folks. And as I said, the older we get, the more we seem to meditate on that. Can I get a bit more amen for some of you older folks? <laughs> amen. We see death as something different. For Christianity, for Christians, death is something that's different. We can look at it differently. And, and you say, well, I'm not sure. Are you sure? We're well, I, I don't know, but that's what the Bible says. I'm banking on the word of God. And the Bible is still true. It's never been refuted. The claims of scripture are still being proved more and more each day. That's all we have to stand on. And that's why this is radical. The axe is laid to the root. You've got to get to the core of who you are. And that's what Jesus was trying to say to us. He says, it was said of them of old days, you shall not commit adultery. Okay, that, that's the law. You know, you, you, and that's what the law of the land gives to us. The law of the land gives to us the minimum. But what Jesus is trying to do is get to the core of sin which is in here. He said, yeah, you can get away with not committing adultery, but what's happening in here? Because every sin that we committed begins here first. Every act of murder begins here first. Every rape, every, every, every th thievery, whatever, every theft, it, it starts in here. And what Jesus is saying, I'm getting radical now and saying, you've got to deal not just with the outside stuff, but you've got to deal with what's inside. I, I want you to understand what, what is so important is the core is that before you commit adultery is because you're already lusting on the inside. Boy, I tell you, I, I feel sorry for the younger generation today. They have pornography at the fingertips. Back in my day, you had to get in a car, you had to drive to a shop and look both ways before you walked in when we were young. Nowadays, Teenagers, kids have access to this. And research is showing that it's destroying lives. It's destroying relationships. It's even, what's his name? You know, a famous interview of that serial killer, Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy will, uh, goes back to the fact that he, as a young child, was exposed to pornography. Can I, can I talk to some young guys, and it's still a predominantly male issue? You got to do something about that if there's a problem. You got to take some radical approaches. Get, get some accountability programs in your devices. Get some help. Because you think, yes, it's you know, maybe pleasurable for a season, but it will destroy you from the inside. It will destroy your life and your future relationships. Amen. And so you got, you got to take some radical steps. 
it has destroyed many and can warp your sense of sexuality and, and your, your ideas of relationship. Boy, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Making me sweat. To live radically for God requires courage. It requires courage and boldness. Especially in this day and age called the cancel culture. That if you're not adhering and if you say something that is somewhat offensive to somebody. Oh, I'm offended. Don't talk about Jesus being the only way. That's an offensive. Well, at some point, we may even get locked up for that. So you're going to need courage to live for God. We're going to need courage to stand for truth, to live radically for God. It's going to require for us some boldness. And you remember the early church in the book of Acts, they didn't pray for, they didn't pray for buildings. They didn't pray for more money. You know what they prayed for? They prayed for boldness. Acts chapter 4. They said, God, give us boldness that we can preach. Hallelujah. And it requires courage for us to live for God today. For you to stand, I remember reading a story of a, a young man in high school who was always being pressured to buy drugs from the drug pushers there in the United States, and he just, he didn't know what to say. He simply said, no, I can't buy it anymore because I got no money. And because this man, this young man stood up and said, I got no money, very simply, the other students who were also harassed to buy drugs, they said, hey, if he can stand up, then, then we can say no as well. Amen. Because you see, sometimes you might be in a room full of place. You might be in a classroom and nobody's living for God. Nobody's standing up for God. But they're just waiting for somebody to, who has boldness enough, who has courage enough to say, yes, I am a child of God. Yes, I am a Christian. Let me tell you, somewhere in that group, there'll be another young man, a young woman somewhere to say, yes, I want what they've got. I want to live for God as well. If they can do it. It? come on amen i believe the next generation you're going to be bolder than ever before the next generation that god is raising you don't have to be a follower you don't have to succumb to peer pressure but you can stand up and be a leader you can stand up and be the one who's a voice in the wilderness Hallelujah, somebody's waiting for you to stand up. Somebody's watching you. They may not say anything, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to stand. And the Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is not popular, but this is Bible. Whatever you got to do, pluck it out if he's going to cause you to offend. And listen, you, nobody can offend you without your permission. Just like nobody can intimidate you without your permission. Offense is not other people's responsibility. That's you. If somebody tells me that they don't like Filipino food, I don't care. I like it. I'm not going to get offended. 
Why should I get offended? If they say something, oh, they could maybe say something a little worse than that. They may say something about me personally or about my culture. They might be racist. Well, that's not my problem. I'm not going to get offended Amen. just because, you know, you're, you're racist and don't have good taste. Nobody can offend you without your permission. Say all they want about us. I'm not going to get offended. I've got, I've got too much in store. I've got too much at stake to allow things to come into my life and poison and rob me of my joy, rob me of my peace. Oh, I've got Jesus. I'm on the winning side. Come on, we already sang it today. He can't lose. He never lost a battle. He'll never win. He'll always be victorious. Hallelujah. Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go to Hornsby Church right now. I've got to close. Hallelujah. We need courage. We need discipline. Okay? In order to be a follower, you need to be disciplined. That means you're going to do it despite how you feel. you got to get up in the morning, go to work despite how you feel. And I commend all of you that are here today that you slept in, didn't come at 9.15, but you came at 11.15. You still came to church. The 9.15 are the discipline folks. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Hopefully they're not listening to this, but you're all the better, better looking folks. Because you got your beauty sleep, right? <laughs> Young man, you want to get married? You want to have a wife? One of the greatest, most attractive qualities of a young man is, is discipline. Get a job. You want a wife? Get a job. Come on, some of you sisters. Back me up here. Discipline. Amen. I like what Andy Stanley said. If, you know, be, be the person you're looking for. Be the person who you are looking for is looking for. Right? If you're single... Be the person you're looking for is looking for. Amen. Well, I'll move on. I've got to close. Musicians, if you come, we need discipline. We need to know what's, remember what's at stake. And we also need to have boldness and courage. When Daniel was, the prophet Daniel was at, he was about to be elevated to the highest position in the kingdom, the kingdom of Babylon. Some of his own peers were jealous and didn't want to make sure that he doesn't get elevated to a position of a president. They made the king write a decree. Whoever prays to a god other than the king of Babylon will be thrown into the lion's den. You know the story. And as soon as that, that decree was signed, what's the first thing that Daniel did? He went back to his room, faced Jerusalem, the direction of Jerusalem, and began to pray to Jehovah. He said, hang on, Daniel, wait. Why don't you just pray silently for 40? It's only 40 days. You pray silently, and you'll be president. You're going to have all the benefits. You're going to have the money. You're going to have the prestige. And furthermore, you're going to survive in the lion's den. But no, he was a man of courage and discipline, a man of faith. No matter what was signed, he went and prayed to God three times in a day that what was his habit 
and disciplined to do. Because he understood something. Whatever I have, you can take away from me. They take away his presidency. They can take away his job. They can even take away his life by throwing him in the lion's den. But there was something that was so radical about this man that he understood there's something I can never lose that you can't take from me. And that is my relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah. You can lose everything in this life. Oh, but you've got to be radical about that thing which you can never lose if you hold on to him. Can't. With another horrible story. They made a movie about this young man. His name was Aaron Ralston. The movie was called 127 Hours, Five Days. He was hiking in the canyons. He fell through a, a, what was a chasm as the boulder that he was standing on fell they fell at the same time and he found himself this 800 pound, 400 kilo rock boulder trapped his hand against the wall of this, this crevasse or this chasm. And, and for, for the next five days, he was trapped, tried everything that he could to lift that, to get his hand out, just couldn't do it. You know the story. He, he, had, he still had his water bottle he rationed that for five days by the fifth day he came to the sobering realization me he, he had a lot longer than that that peter who was chopping down the wood in that slide he had a lot longer that was an instant decision this one he had five days to consider and he came to the sobering realization that he was never going to get out to live unless he removed his his arm from off that rock so all he had was one of those those Swiss knives, those, those multi-tool kit. The knife part of that kit was blunt. And so he took that knife, and again, I'm sorry, I'm going to save you the gory details. But I have to say this one thing. He put that blunt knife through his, his, through his thumb area, and gas started coming out because it had all but his flesh had jelly, become jelly. And so he began to cut away at the flesh. Of that hand something he said out of a rage something got a hold of him he, he became radical he something got a, said no I'm not gonna stay here I'm not gonna die and so with all of his anger and rage he shook his body to break the bones of his arm so that he could free himself he cut away the flesh broke the bone using just flinging his body against the boulder broke away he was able to cut off his hand and he made his way down the hill where other hikers saw him and rescued him and he survived he, Jesus doesn't mean for us to do that literally unless of course you're in that situation but what he's saying is whatever's got you bound whatever's keeping you from following God with your hundred percent with your all when you live radically for him there's got to be a rage on the end. Something's got to get a hold of you to say, yes, this is it. I'm, I'm going to give my all. I'm going to give him everything. I'm sick and tired of this relationship. I'm sick and tired of this life. I'm sick and tired of my habits, of my vices, of my, the things I keep going back to. It's time I break away from that. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Would you stand to your feet? I, I've got to stop. I believe God wants to do a work in somebody's life here today.
He wants to transform you if you're willing to be radical enough to be a follower of Jesus. If you are willing to be radical enough to repent, to take up your cross. That's what he means, to mortify the deeds of the flesh. To deny yourself and be obedient to him. I'm telling you, God will come to you. If you need the Holy Ghost, he can fill you with his spirit to dwell on the inside of you. You can be renewed. You can be born anew, restored in a relationship with him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray and I'm going to open up this altar for anyone that would like to come. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord God, we come to you, Lord, with the things that perhaps are holding us back, the things, whether some of it is good, like money and jobs that are keeping us away from you. I pray, Lord God, that we would today lay it upon the altar that we would take some radical steps, Lord Jesus, a radical surgery, if you will, for a condition that is deep within, Lord God, that you would begin to cut away, Lord, those things, the sins, the vices, Lord God, the, the thoughts, the relationships, the, the things that are maybe even seemingly good, Lord, we lay it before your altar and ask you, Lord God, to remove it from our hearts and lives. Let us be renewed here today. Let us be born again, afresh and anew, to repent of our sins, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And let us experience your power. Let us experience your glory in this house. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. This altar is open. If you'd like to come in repentance, come and pray and seek him. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's here to fill you. We have ministers and leaders that are making their way that can pray with you, that you can be born again of the Spirit. Hallelujah. You've got to make that decision. You've got to take that radical step of obeying Him. Whatever the cost, whatever you've got to forsake, pluck it out, cut it off, remove it. Hallelujah. This altar is open. Let us seek Him together. In Jesus' name.